This isn't just beer. This is beer longing. Every month we're talking about beer, beer culture, our adventures and discussing the topics that are reverberating around the beer community. This is Beer Longing. I'm Steve and as always I'm joined by my co-hosts Mark and Rob. Welcome gentlemen, how are you both doing? Good, Hi, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm good, good to see you guys. And, Fantastic and you to see you guys. And, and I'm sure our listeners are pleased to see us as well. <laughs> but he's Rob not is in full us. HD colour, so... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, without further ado, let's get straight in to the first beer this month. And I'm going to go first because it's in my glass and I can smell it and I'm really, really excited okay. about this please, beer. Please do, okay. Steve, please do. <laughs> so, so, Mark, why I'm having this, uh, tell me what you sent me. Or tell our listeners I, what you sent me. Don't tell me. I know. <laughs> I sent you uh, Big Thor 4. Now, Big Thor is a, not annual, but semi-consistent, um, consistently released um, collaboration between Lost and Grounded and Burnt Mill, who we waxed lyrical about last week, last month, rather. Um, absolutely super West Coast IPA every single time. Something that I'll always buy six cans of, which is very rare that I do so every time that it's released. Somehow doesn't quite build up the hype that other um, semi-annual, or whether it's annual, whatever, you know, releases do. Um, but this is the fourth iteration of it. I think it's an absolutely fantastic beer. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And as soon as I had it, I was like, do you know who would love this? My co-host Steve, I need to get this beer across to him. Um, and I checked on Untapped to make sure that he hadn't had it. Sent it to you this week. What do you think, Steve? Oh, it's delicious. It's um the the, the first sort of first sort of wave of, of taste and flavour that you get kind of reminds me of old school uh IPAs. You, you, you know, oh, yeah. sort of like oh yeah. Six, seven, eight years ago, before the, the the wave of juice and haze hit the UK, um, but what it's got underneath that is it's got this lovely that there's a, a a fruity sort of juicy element in the background. I get a lot. I'm getting a lot of orange and sort of tangerine off of that. Um, that's really popping out, and then that all just lends its way through to this delightful bitter finish that it's got that just sucks you back in for uh, another sip. It's it it's amazing, and um, I can't believe I've not had this beer bit before. It really does surprise me because this is a beer that, as you say, it's right up my street. We should say it's six point eight, so it's up there in the more original Cannonball sort of places rather than the Oregon Trail place. You know, even though it's just that one percent more, it's a massive difference. So it's 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 a bigger bigger IPA, but I I, I think it's it takes me back to all of those beers. Mm. It's I I described it on Twitter this week as probably my favorite West Coast IPA. Like, I, I possibly, well, I don't want to start ranking 
beers anymore. Maybe if I was doing this podcast five years ago, I'd go, I like this beer even more than Oregon Trail. I mean, they're only going to make it the once anyway. It'll be different the next time. But I think this iteration is absolutely fantastic. So, mm. can, can I just pick up on something you said earlier there about you don't think it gets the praise or the hype that it deserves? Do you think that's because the lead brewery on this is lost and grounded and they're not necessarily known for this style of beer? I thought I, I kind of think it's a bit bit of marketing to be honest. I don't really they didn't make a fuss in the same way that I feel like other other ones are doing. You know the the conversation we had about putty the other month, whether it was last month or the month before, where there's the countdown. There's the the making gifts now of like rotating cans. There's things that lead up to the actual design of the can these days. I don't know if they, they just sort of certainly how even I saw it because I, I was excited, but it sort of dropped onto my Twitter page of. By the way, this is now available, and I was like, "But this is my favorite beer in the. This is like my favorite release of all time. What do you mean this is now available?" They're like, "Yeah, you can buy this if you want. Why? Why not? More people more yeah. excited about this. Get more excited about it. So yeah. I, I straight away was like six can. Uh, I mean, a, a special moment to me, just to briefly mention, it, is Big Thor 2 dropped very early on in the f- first initial lockdown. Um, and the first initial lockdown, I remember it arriving. It was that period where it was just sunny for like six weeks straight. Mm. And I think I bought 12 cans of it. And Big Thor Two will always make me think of that period. If it, a bit, if a beer summed up that first initial lockdown for me, it was that, and it was, well, to be, I was going to say it was absolutely, it was as good as this. So, uh, uh, beers evoking memories, something we might touch on in a later segment in the show. <laughs> do um, you think? <laughs> do, you, do you think we're going to go there? But, but I remember that not arriving to much fanfare as well. So I don't think they ever make that. Much for either there's two breweries involved in this, and neither of them make a massive deal uh, deal about it. But they should. But also, don't buy it all because I want to buy more. Yeah, and also, I I, I desperately want to buy some now. Just <laughs> feel very left out. <laughs> what, 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 what are you on this month, from? Oh right, so I've got a beer from Steve, and it is called Entropic Doom Baltic Porter Nine percent and it's from it's a collaboration between old chimneys brewery and atom steve have you sent me Ooh. something from both of these or one of these before am i just imagining that i might have sent you something that um old and chimneys what? collaborated on it was the vox beer that, that, that started my my loving for Vox Oh yeah. <laughs> I I just I tend to if it never I, ends. Yeah. If I tend to if I ever see anything with old chimneys on it, I, I tend to get very excited about it because obviously the the, the guy behold behind old chimneys is the, the, the brewer that produces the Good King Henry Imperial Stout every, every year and he's um he's a cuckoo brewer. So he's he's currently producing the Good King Henry at Grain in in Norfolk. But um yeah, he's been going around and doing these collabs with various breweries, and and this one is one I've had a couple of times actually, um, because it's it's always on the shelves at Two Brews, 
and I think I'm right in saying it's also got um, coffee in it as, as as well. So yeah, so is is Atom? Are they coffee roasters? Are they? No, Atom no? are. I believe they're based in Hull. They are. Yeah, they're very yeah. based in Hull. Okay, so I've definitely seen the name around, but I couldn't quite place where. Fantastic just, brewery just, based uh, in Hull. It's, there's there's a lot on this can actually. So I'm just there's a little verse here about the the name of the beer entropic doom so i'm just going to read that a scenario where the entropy of the universe steadily increases until thermal equilibrium is reached energy is uniformly dispersed and no life exists so apparently that translates to a smooth and roasty baltic porter <laughs> and 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 so let's talk about the beer and I, when i open the can and start pouring it in there's a lot of aroma. It's almost like um, a red wine sort of aroma, whereas on on to actually taste it, there's definitely there's a there's a slight kind of like berry fruitiness to it, but the, it's all it's all coffee and it's all booze. And I tell you what, I feel like I'm transported to a cabin in northern Norway or something because <laughs> this is. A beautifully warming beer, and when my house isn't that warm still, so even though we appear to have actually hit spring now, this is delicious. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Like I said, I've, I've really enjoyed it the couple of times that I had it, and I was like, this this needs to this needs to go on the show. It's it's a good beer. So um, whoever was getting one from me this month was going to get that. I suppose we should uh, speak to Mark now and see what I have sent him. Well, um, unfortunately, Rob, due to the um, your incompetence, um, <laughs> <laughs> how dare you? Unfortunately, due to mail issues, I didn't receive a beer from you, Rob. But I've um, replaced it with a beer um, anyway uh, that hopefully you'll approve of. Well, you know, whether you do or not, we'll we'll see. But anyway, it's a collaboration between a couple of breweries that we've mentioned recently. One on the last show, it's uh, Lost and Grounded and uh, Burt Mill have done a collaboration <laughs> beer. Um, it's a West Coast style IPA, 6.8%. Uh, Big Thor 4. And I've got to say, it's absolutely delicious. I was mean, a big a big fan of West Coast IPAs, which I know we all are, but I certainly am. It's uh, got all the attributes of it and highly recommended. So a really good replacement beer uh, for it. So um, cheers, Rob, anyway, you know, no when problem. the beer arrives, I'm sure I'll enjoy it. Well, I'm, you're... I'm certainly enjoying this. Great beer. Great beer. It is, it is a great beer. <laughs> cheers, oh, Mark. Oh, really I, enjoying it. I definitely feel left out now. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I got my beer, but I still feel left out. Never mind. <laughs> well, let's let's not leave you feeling left out for very much longer, because I, I think you've been up to quite a bit this month. So, so, so let's jump into our beery adventures. Well, yeah. Just before we started recording, I, I couldn't remember what I'd done. So, luckily, the other two managed to. Uh, Remind me of a couple of, <laughs> of a couple of uh, good things I have done in the last couple of months. So, first of all, um, the other week, um, the friend of the show, Miles Lambert, had uh, let me know that he was going to be in Birmingham for work. So I was able to uh, go and meet him on a 
Wednesday night, I think it was, and just show him a couple of the places I really like in Birmingham. So uh, I met him at the Colmore and took him to the the Wolf. We had some pie and mash. And I'll tell you what, it was really good to be out on a Wednesday night and see that place just absolutely rammed. It was really busy because they had the quiz on. So me and Miles, who are both tall gentlemen, we just sat on this small bench at the side, their knees and their chins. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, really good to see Miles because um, he has uh, he hadn't really been to Birmingham for a long time, so it was cool just to take him to a couple of different places and get a bit of a feel for it. And hopefully he'll be back again because his uh, new job has a base uh, near Birmingham Airport. So that was uh, trip number one. And the second one, I uh, went up to Leeds for the first time since 2019. So needless to say, I went straight to White Locks. And then they had the um, the Colonel rye beer on, on cask. So I had oh, to God. have that. And uh, the man on... It's great to be in the north, though, when someone will say, oh, this one's £5.50. Are you sure you're okay having a pint? <laughs> it's like, yes, I am. Take my money. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what, what am I going to do? Drink less than a pint of that absolutely <laughs> delicious beer? Hell no. So, yeah, I had a nice time at White Locks, and then it got to the point where I thought, oh, I best go and check into my hotel and have a cup of tea because uh, I had a, a, a day ahead of me. So went to a – where else? I went to the Banker's Cat. While I was waiting for my friend, and I thought, yes, I did, yeah. And uh, I'd probably prefer the Colmore to that, but to be fair, I went in when it was like really, really busy with the after work crowd. So, mm. but yeah, no, nice place. And then I went to um, Brownhill and Co., which I hadn't been to before because I suppose that kind of that pop up about 2020 did it. Yeah, uh, around then. Yeah, just I think it was just before, wasn't it? Sort of the year before. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. But that's a, that's a great place, and that it was good that to see it so busy in there as well. Because I think I walked past probably not long after opening, and I was feeling a bit socially awkward. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'll come back later when there's a few other people in. And when I did come back, it it, it filled right up. And I'll tell you what, it's a lovely place that I'd been missing out not having been there yet. And then I went to a, a gig at the Belgrave Music Hall, which you can always get some decent beer there as well. So it's a, a, a much-talked-about topic about actually getting a decent beer at a gig. But in Leeds, you can normally manage that. So, yeah, that was my uh, – that's what I got up to in the last month. Good stuff. <clears throat> Steve, how about yourself? What have you been up to? I went to um... – one of the Siren 10th birthday anniversary beer oh, yeah. launches oh, yeah. things. Um, two brews were one of the the, the venues that, that had the beers pouring. So I tried all of the all, all four of the the, the releases. Um, they're all okay in 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 their own way. Um, but the one that the one that really stood out, uh, and this will come as no surprise to anyone, was the um, the crescendo, which was the imperial stout that was a blend of the three Imperial Stouts that they had released earlier on in, in the year. And it was, it was, just, it was stunning. It was, it was simp- simply stunning and it's gone straight in there um, as, as a, as a beer of the year contender for me. It it was just um, velvety smooth, rich milk chocolate, 
but with a dark chocolate bit bitterness. There were hints of coffee in the background and just everything you want from a a big thick imperial stout, really. So 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 that was that that was a lot of fun. Um I'd say that the the maiden, which is their annual barley wine release, is very, very young uh, at the moment. So it's it's almost um it's almost got a sour edge to it and i think it needs a lot more time to develop and come good it, it really wasn't tasting like a barley wine to, to to me so i just think that i think if you've got a bottle of that and you prefer your barley wines to taste like barley wines leave it a couple of years because i think that you can you can taste where it's going to go it's one of those beers where you go oh, i can see where this is going to age but right now it just tasted really young so so that was that was a lot of fun um, I went into Chelmsford and went to Radio City Social, um, which is obviously the taproom of Radio City Beer Works, small brewery based in Chelmsford. Um, they've they've had a taproom open for a good few months now. They've got 18 lines that they run in there. Six of them are generally their own beers. Then they have sort of guest beers from everywhere. They generally tend to always have a permanent Belgian line and a couple of import lines as well. And the real standout was a, a beer from um, Turning Point Brewery in the States called the Reverend Green, which was a double IPA at 8%. And that was, um, you talk about the big Thor taking you back a few years. This Reverend Green was like those American imports you used to buy 10 years ago that were a little bit out of date. They were caramelly, they were malty, but they were still big and bitter. That's what it tasted like, but it obviously wasn't out of date. This was fresh and it was just absolutely delicious and far, far too drinkable for for 8% as well. Dangerously drinkable. So it's really enjoyed that. Um, And prior to going into Radio City, I did pop into the Owl House and they had... um, Five points Hook Island Red on cask, which was tasting absolutely banging. Um, smashed a couple of pints of that down. It, it was tasting so so good. It's one of their seasonals that I really do like to look out for. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beer I never really appreciated when it was just always available. And now that I, I see it sort of longed after, obviously I just never see it because it appears obviously mostly down south, which makes sense. It's where five, five points are. Or, Le- and- or Leeds, because look, Ed Mason seems to own everything in Leeds as well. <laughs> this is true, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, bit, it's a bit like coming across Railway Porter feels like that anyway, yeah. to be fair. Coming across yeah. Five Points in general. Because, I mean, it's like every time you have Railway Porter, you're like, okay, th- this is consistently the best dark beer in the entire country. And then I forget about it and until the next time that I see it. And I suppose... Five points have been guilty of that their entire way of being being open. So Hook Island Red then becoming seasonal became that kind of like people forgot mm-hmm. what a brilliant beer it was until they started making it seasonal. And we're just like, when when is it Hook Island season? So, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's very firmly now. It may it may well be coming to the end of it, but I was I was glad to have got a couple of points of that. For sure, and and then last uh, last mention really is just another beer that I'm putting into the the, the contenders for beer of the year. Um, had, good had month for it. A very two, good month. Two in a segment. Yeah, um, had this one at home, and it's a beer that was on Twitter a lot in this last month. But Colonel's Double Scans IPA. Fuck me. 
Um, it's so good. It's um, peak kernel in terms of how crisp and clean it is. Not but then, to me, then Steve. the bitterness just comes through in waves. It is just off the charts incredible. It's so good. Um, and I know that uh, Rich at the Vicar's got a keg of it as well, and I'm just hoping that it goes on at a time when I can get down and, and try it on keg as well, because uh, the bottles just weren't enough for me. I need more of it. I need more of it in my face. I've been spending a lot of money on beer this month. Again, something we'll come into later on in the show, and that is one of those beers that I'm like, ah, oh, but I can't spend more money on beer, but so... I don't want to hear that it's good, Steve, to be honest. Okay, sorry. It, no, it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> um, sorry, not sorry, uh, and all that. Um, Mark, what about yourself? What have you been up to, mate? Yeah, surprisingly busy month. It's one of those months where I feel like it's gone really quick, but then when I think about... That's probably work-based, because when I think about um, beer stuff, everything's feels a long time ago. For example... Um, my, my local train station that gets to all of the destinations very quickly has been closed for a, a massive electric rewiring, which makes things difficult. So I had to go to the Huddersfield match at the start of the month via Halifax. Um, so that's where the month started. And I went into Dukes in Halifax because I had a 40-minute wait for my train to go into Huddersfield. Um and that was a, a new place for me. I mean, Halifax is a great place for beer anyway, but I don't get to go there very often. I nipped into Dukes's, didn't really know what to expect. Fantastic place, fantastic co- uh, customer service, fantastic beers. Uh, Colonel Export India Porter on keg. Just, oh, it's, what, it's so good. It's out of this world, but... It always is, but I uh, I don't know why I, I get surprised by it, but I was so surprised <laughs> just how good it was. I was sat there like, anyway, incredible. So the month started well. That was brilliant. Um, but also a couple of trips into Manchester that I want to quickly mention because um, I've still got a local train line where I can get into Manchester where, even when the other things are closed and i went to city arms a couple of times which has reopened recently it closed for a refurb that mostly happened in the toilets which made me laugh because bulk and bailey look like they've just been for the first time and posted about how nice the toilets were and i didn't reply but I'll be interested to see if anyone else replied and the, the dickhead thing of just going, you should have fucking seen it two months ago because the toilets and the city arms were the worst thing about it. And now they were just like, oh, exemplary toilets in the city arms. It, it deserved being in a coffee book. Terrible, terrible, terrible toilets. Beautiful toilets now. Um, but I met Wayne and Janice of Irish Beer Snobs phase fame there um a couple of weeks ago and they'll be upset if i don't mention that i'd be upset if i didn't mention it because it was a lovely evening um and they'd never been there before and it's just nice to i I know that i can be quite negative about places that are getting overly 
what what I feel overly hyped at the minute because I've been going in the city arms for a long time, and I've, I've always said this is a place that deserves more attention. So it'd be wrong for me <laughs> to now be going now that now that it's suddenly become the place to go in Manchester, that it's a negative thing because it's absolutely not. It's just easily the best pub in Manchester by a oh, long shot. Been. Whenever I'm in Manchester, it's just the only place that I think. Uh, if I'm nearby, I go to the City Arms, and anywhere else is irrelevant. <laughs> you know, if I've got time to go somewhere. Anyway, um, love the time with Wayne and Janice. Wayne actually said to me um, when we met him in Leeds over Christmas, I didn't mention it on the podcast, but I did retort and say, well, you didn't mention that you met me in Leeds on your podcast. <laughs> so this time I'm mentioning you, Wayne. It was lovely to see you and Janice, and I'm glad that we had to have a nice time in the City Arms. So, and just one quick one on beers separately that I've had this uh, month. I've had a really good beer this month from uh, Lost and Grounded and Burnt Mill. It's a 6.8% <laughs> West Coast style IPA uh, collaboration <laughs> beer. They release it, not annually, but, you know, um, every now and then, it's really, really good. If you're into your West Coast IPAs, absolutely super, well worth seeking out, if you can get it. But also don't buy it all, because I'd love to buy some more. So. What's what's the name of that one, Mark? Uh, Big Thor 4. So. Okay, yeah. Fantastic. Just, I think, I think we'll, maybe we'll put a link in the show notes to that. I, so I tell you what, where to get it. I'm quite glad that I haven't got that beer, because I just really struggle to say the name, because I can't do my THs properly. So, big four four. Well, there's not been a lot of hype about it. So, if you're not had any big four four, um... no, I'm surprised I haven't um, heard about that one. Actually, it sounds really good. First time for mm. me as well. It really is. Um, I've finished my big Thor four. <laughs> uh, it, it went fairly quickly. To, to, right, to tell us about it. that, Steve. It sounds good. <laughs> I just, oh, it's, I'll tell you what. It's it's a, it's a collaboration between two breweries, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's really tasty, and it's all the West Coast. It's 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 absolutely <laughs> delicious, and I'm I, I'm I'm really pleased I had some in the glass. But I, but I have I have finished. I can see. Um, you chaps are still going through your beers. Rob, I think you're going to be a while, aren't you, <laughs> on your 99% Baltic porter? <laughs> what a starter? What a starter to buy someone? I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to start reconsidering some of my choices in terms Poor of Rob. <laughs> Oh, I'm not complaining. Time for the second beer of this month then. Rob, what's in your glass? Yeah, I've just been to the fridge and I have picked out a St. Mars of the Desert Dormouse, which is their um, their golden dry continental beer uh, fermented with European yeast. And if you couldn't tell, I was reading that off the can. And it's a uh, 5.5% volume. And this is my first time trying this beer, so and I haven't even sipped into it yet, so I'm just going to do that now. Well, well, <laughs> oh God, you can, you can definitely tell those European yeasts have been working their magic there. That is tremendous. Oh, really? Oh, that's lovely. It's tasting very German. 
if, if, that, <laughs> ma- if that makes sense to you. It tastes like the country of Germany. A bit Belgian-y, then. Not all Belgian-y, no. <laughs> bit Germany. Bit Germany. Bit Germanic. Germanic. germany Yeah. Yeah, this is... I'll just uh, uh, To be fair... I really have not drank enough St. Mars of the Desert beers, but every time I do, they are just wonderful, aren't they? They're they're another brewery that perhaps then I don't know. Are they are they hyped? I, I, th- I think we discussed this on our Christmas show when we all yeah. absolutely wet ourselves about that brilliant. Um, I, t- I tell you what, jingle bells, beer, jingly bells, beer. Going going back to that beer, a, f- a friend of mine. Has never tried any St. Mars of the Desert beers, but he just hearing us talking about how much we enjoyed that, and we didn't use any descriptive language other than wow. <laughs> and he, but he was desperate to get his hands on one of those beers and sadly couldn't. But yeah, oh, I, I can't, I can't um, emphasize how much I love this brewery, and I just want to go back to Sheffield and get to their tap room again. It, it does say a lot, doesn't it, when we're like I don't know, some podcasts might be extremely descriptive and use all these like I don't know, just like Garrett Oliver sort of descriptive terms. If we can get people to buy beers just by going, oh, that's really nice. Yeah, my only argument there would be Rob that you did do the course in describing beer, whereas at least me and Steve well, don't you have an excuse. Let's be honest, Mark. I'd forgot that I'd done interesting things this month until you reminded <laughs> me. So, <laughs> I, I, every, everything that I learned in that course is, um, I don't know. It's it, it's it's very distant. Uh, <laughs> At least you can put it on your CV. I'm wow. a terrible Cicerone student. <laughs> Steve, what have you gone for this month? Uh, I've got Utopian's fourth birthday beer, which they oh, that they sent to me. <laughs> it's the uh, Frankish's Rock Beer, which doesn't sound nice, re- really. Um, but apparently this is um, an old world style rot beer. Uh, which is a homage to the Franconian amber lagers brewed since 1500s, using traditional double decoction mash to develop rich, bready, malty flavours, and then generously hopped with British Fuggles. Um, so uh, they sent across a couple of cans. Really grateful uh, for that. Um, they've always been great supporters of the podcast. Um, and this is yeah, it's uh, it's a straight up malty bready lager. It's it's utopian doing what they do really well. Now it's the return of Welcome everybody to Route Corner with me, Smokey Johnson, where every month we'll be exploring the wonderful world of smoked beers. And we find ourselves this month in Pentrick in Derbyshire, where Pentrick Brewing Co. is from with their we need to talk about bacon smoked porter, six percent. And I have to say, I'm a little disappointed this month. Now, this beer I did actually buy for the original Route Corner two months ago, so it has been in the stash for a, well <laughs> at least two months in that sense. Um, it's it smells incredible 
incredibly smoky. It's got this wonderful beach malt, beach malt kind of scent to it. So I, th- I think when people describe porters and stouts, sometimes people will say that porters are th- have this thinner body than stouts. Now, this is definitely true in this sense. But what this has led to is a slight tartness to the beer, which I would like to say is about its age, but this beer doesn't go out of date till no- November of this year. So if it's a few months old, it's really suffering. It's flat in the glass. But it does have this wonderful smokiness to it. There's no doubt about that. Now, Pentrick is a, a, a brewery, one that I've come across. Whenever I come across them on cask, they're absolutely superb. As I say, they're from the Derbyshire area. And I do occasionally come across them on cask, and they're fantastic. And they position themselves just around lockdown, before lockdown, as almost producing a lot of hype juice, a lot of big 8% chewy New England IPAs. And I've not particularly found any of them to be good, but they do do a smoked beer at least once a year. And they've never really nailed it. I like it that they try it every time, but they've never really nailed it. And I, th- and I thought, I'll, I'll go for it again, 6%. Can you go wrong? I don't know. They're not my favourite brewery in the world, unfortunately. But they are on cask. They're, they're, they're superb on cask, but not really doing it in cans at the moment. So it's um, a bit of a disappointment. It's flat this month. It's a bit weak, but, you know. we do, I, And I did say that I'd always try and say what would be good to pair with, with some meats. I do think that a slightly tart beer pours well with some barbecued lamb. That's it for Route Corner this month. And I hope you will join me again next month for more exploration into the world of smoked beers. Absolutely beautiful. Well, while we're enjoying these beers, let's get into the meat in this show this month. Reverberation. And this is where we talk about that subject that's bouncing around the internet. I used to say social media, but we've established social media is fucking shit now. So it's (laughs) um, just whatever's bouncing around that we can term as reverberations. And this month, we are talking about Guinness. The black stuff. Because isn't everybody at the moment Um, i mean you can't move on social media for people either discovering it for the first time or realizing how good it's always been or berating it or writing about it or talking about it or taking pictures about it it's everywhere and obviously in this last month we've also had st patrick's day as well um not st guinness's day is st patrick's day other stouts are available if you are going to promote them make sure they're at least irish breweries (laughs) that are brewing them not your own stout that you're trying to pedal on that day um but yeah we thought we'd have a chat this month uh about guinness um the the hype and the hate that surrounds it and all other sorts of things as as as, as well that, that that come under this heading now 
I think we've all got views on this. I know, Mark, you've just um, released a, a, a blog on this. So maybe let's uh-huh. maybe let's start there. Maybe let's start with the words that you wrote and the um, the, the, the thoughts and, and, and the passion that came out through that piece. And, and, and then we'll see where the conversation goes. Yeah, sure. Um, as I say, I, I wrote a piece about it in the in the last couple of weeks, which was born out of the reason that it's featuring in reverberations this month, that Guinness has, for some reason, become a hot topic of beer in 2023, and I don't didn't quite understand why, so I thought I'd exp- explore my own relationship with it. But one thing that has been kind of like coming out of it is people that have been long-standing beer writers beer mean people be basically people that are within the beer bubble and that's the only way you can describe it sometimes you're trying to talk about this encompassing people beer communicators um so this beer bubble the discover they're not discovering guinness for the first time but they're talking about it they're going to pubs and drinking it and now saying oh it's okay it's acceptable for the first time and the rest of us that have been just okay in ourselves drinking you know the beers that we talked about drinking some west coast ipas drinking some baltic porters drinking some smoked beers but also enjoying the occasional guinness as well when we fancy either a fancied it or b the occasion has called for it can't quite understand why we're being told now by others do you know what it's all right to enjoy guinness yes we've always known that we've all been doing it for a long time and so for when i look back and thought about when i first started drinking as a teenager and going to house parties i was like well the only thing that i've ever tried and enjoyed is guinness and so i always started off drinking that and so it stems from the simple fact that i enjoy the taste of it and still do to this day it's not been uh i mean there are there are obviously occasions where it's the backup choice guinness you know but not in a bad way because i enjoy the taste of it but for, for for it to suddenly be a conversation of did you know that did you know that people drink Guinness because they enjoy it? Did you did you know that? Is is that is that a, <laughs> a, that that that's now a topic of conversation in the beer industry and it's like, yes, that that is how th- this can this works. This is why people drink Cantillon and they drink smoked beer and they drink big Thor for did you know they do that because they enjoy it? Guinness is just an extension of that. Why are we only discovering that for the first time? Uh, that's that's quite bizarre, actually. I mean, in the beer bubble, really, you'd think that that was a community of people who drink beer because they like the taste of it. Whereas perhaps like you go back, especially when you're a teenager, and people are literally just drinking things to get drunk or get a buzz on or whatever, and then there's some people who are still just drink things for that reason or because it's it's cheap but you know what within this bubble we're people who are really passionate about beer because we like drinking it so it's really quite weird that all of a sudden there's been a discussion that people are surprised that people like guinness yeah i think 
it is it is really interesting how this this has all sort of happened in in the early part of this this year really and i, I think mark you, you hit on a number of things there and 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 one of one of the things i think that always i mean you know full disclaimer i drink guinness and i but i drink guinness because i enjoy drinking guinness um and and sometimes i if if i walk into a bar and i see that they haven't got guinness on i get a little bit disappointed if 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 i'm honest because sometimes i do like to just default to it um what I think one of the things that maybe gets my backup sometimes, uh, and and you you started going there, Mark, where you said it's a lot of people's backup choice, is is when I when I hear people use the phrase it's a distress purchase, and because it's, Ooh, it's yeah. uh, that's that's the thing that really gets me because I'm like I've I've never felt distressed when I've purchased Guinness. I've always got quite excited uh, about it, and I was I was in a bar at the weekend where um it was kind of one of these sports bar type places and the bar staff were all visibly excited because they had just switched over from serger plates to draft guinness so they were getting to pour their first draft guinnesses and for me it was should that be guinea who who knows what the plural of Guinness is? Um, but for me, I I was quite excited because I was like, yes, I can. Do, there's there's Guinness in here um, because it was your, your, your typical macro lagers, strongbow and, and Guinness. And I was like, brilliant. Well, I'm going to drink Guinness. But yeah, I think that there's there is a little a, a lot of conversation about it at the moment. There's a lot of discourse, and and obviously, as I said in in the intro to this segment, we have had um, St Patrick's Day as 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 well in the last month where. A lot of people do enjoy going out and drinking Guinness on 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 that day, and it's it's almost it's almost going back to a previous discussion we've had about those once a year Christmas drinkers that come into the bar. These are your once a year Guinness drinkers that that, that come into the bar, and if it's the only time that they drink it in that year, then so be it. But don't put them down because of it. Just let them in, in, enjoy the day and get caught up in the in, in, in the celebrations. Yeah, let, let, well, let, I mean, let, let them earn that foam yeah. hat. Yes, absolutely. And if they want to wear a foam hat, let them. Yeah, I've been there, done that. <laughs> well, I, I think, I mean, that, that that is one point in, in itself in that because they're the ones that are doing it, it's perceived as silly. Whereas if... Shawshot Brewery, for example, um, a small brewery in Manchester, have hired a Mr. Blobby co- costume to run through Indie Man for the entire weekend, which is what happened, by the way. You two are looking. Oh, that's per- what. That's you, what you, that was for. You two are looking perplexed, but there no, are plenty of plenty of listeners that will know this: that Shawshot Brewery ran through Indie Man in a Mr. Blobby co- costume. And it was hilarious. It was great, great fun. And it was all part of Shaw Shop Brewery's bit of advertising for them. And loads of people were loads of people taking pictures of them, tagging them in. It's just a bit of bit of naff fun. It's all great. We're all having a we're all having a laugh. Do you know what? Wearing a silly Guinness foam hat on St. Patrick's Day over here is all part of like the stupidity of it. But it is, it's something that we do. And I was gonna say, disclaimer, but the interview that went out this month was we actually recorded it on St. Patrick's Day we and we had a conversation it. where do we want to record it that day because it is St. Patrick's Day and we're just like, well, wh- why do we particularly care about it? But on, on when it actually came to the day, I was like, 
Oh, I can understand why Steve asked this question now, because now I do just want to go out and drink Guinness. <laughs> like, and I didn't think that I cared, but I did. And I don't know why that is, but it doesn't really matter because it's just some kind of light in an increasingly miserable world yeah. where I went out and drank. So yeah, And yes, specific day that I did it. Because the other thing about that as well is that if you're going to turn around and complain about people drinking Guinness on St. Patrick's Day to promote independent business, make sure they're independent Irish businesses, like Steve's already said, Whereas, the you know, brew, a couple of breweries in Yorkshire who I really, really admire were saying, oh, you should be drinking our stouts on this day. It's like, why should we be drinking Yorkshire stouts on St. <laughs> not Patrick's Day? That makes no sense whatsoever. Because <laughs> yeah. it's not stout day. No. It, could, no. It, it could be Irish pale ale. It could be Irish red ale. It could be anything. If it's, well, if it's an Irish day, it's not about drinking stout. But it absolutely is about drinking Guinness. <laughs> I think there's a there's another point here for me as well, and 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 that is the that the Guinness sells. We've seen all the figures towards the tail end of last year and uh, early this year, where, where where Guinness is now becoming the market leader in terms of on draft. And I know there are a number of bars that since um, post lockdown have actually reverted to selling Guinness because they were losing business because they didn't have it on. So the the, the Pelt Trader in, in London, famously known for, for, for stocking the, the majority of independent beers, went back to serving Guinness because the amount of people that were coming in and asking for it and were leaving because it wasn't on, Mm. was in, eventually it became a business decision that, that look we just need to have this on because we are losing custom over it you know and if you've got a group of six to eight of you that are going out and, and two of those you only, only might only need one of you but if you've got one or two of you that uh, will only drink guinness and are given an alternative and they don't like that alternative potentially you're going to lose the custom of the whole group because they're going to go and find somewhere where they can all drink. And I, I, I've i seen a lot of comparisons recently to Anspagent of Days, London Black, and, and and I've tried that, and I don't think it's comparable to Guinness, um, but it's, gr- it's great that it's doing so that's, well. That's interesting because I've, I've not had that beer, so I was going to ask. So. So, so, so that beer to me... It's a very nice beer, and if you were to ask me if I'd rather have a pint of that or a pint of Guinness, I would personally go for the London Black. But, again, that's described as a porter as opposed to a stout. Mm. But I think a lot of the hype between London Black and Guinness, isn't. it's not coming from Anspach and Hob Day. It's perhaps coming from some people who have got a chip on the shoulder against Guinness, and then the bloody Scottish brewery decided to get in on it as well and like come up with a glass for their stout that looks exactly like the Ansmatch and Hobday glass as well. So that was a way for them to jump in on the action. But well, uh, you, know, you know what, Guinness, there's, going back to your point about places got reverting to selling Guinness, there are a lot of people who will literally only drink Guinness. Absolutely, yeah. And if, if like there's people I've known who've gone, have gone to the states or something, and the first thing they do, rather than thinking, oh, what can I go and try, is they need to find out where the Irish bar is so they can get a Guinness because that's the only thing they drink. <laughs> and there's a lot of those 
those people, certainly people of a, a certain age, sort of people born 50s, 60s or whatever and, and older, I can think of a lot of people I know who who their, their dads or their parents, that's their just go-to drink. I mean, both my parents are, are Guinness drinkers, amongst uh, other things as well. Yeah. That's the only, the only thing my mum drinks. So, and, I, and I've said that in numerous blog posts about it. And again, that, that's the other thing. It's the memories, the recollections, the everything that a, a consistent drink means to you is something that I wrote about uh, as well this month. Is that people people don't understand that just drinks. If you, if you're mum's a Smirnoff drinker or your dad's a Lamb's Navy rum drinker or your granddad's a Guinness drinker it's all the kind of same thing having a memory in a drink that's just produced consistently for decades and decades and just tastes exactly like it always did people it matters to a lot of people it evokes memories and also there are people that are much older than those who just want that consistency in a drink that are just like this is what you know i've had great uncles that have just drunk jameson's from for their entire lives and they want jameson's to just taste like jameson's when it's their last drink when they're 95 they don't want anything else and as a as a beer bubble we need to recognize that more as well well how many times are we going and perhaps like jumping on on the hype train and going and trying something called like these FOMO beers and then you go and spend a lot of money on it and then you're like oh okay then that's not quite what i expected whereas a beer like guinness you're getting exactly what you're expecting and you know what there's nothing wrong with that yeah is there? yeah absolutely that's, i know what i'm getting every time from it and and i know and i know i'm going to enjoy it I was interested in hearing what you said earlier, Steve, about um, distress purchase, whereas another way of looking at it is it's like, oh, there's there's always Guinness. Well, Guinness is kind of your safe and reliable friend, isn't it? So you, you <laughs> think... It's you, so yeah. re- reliability purchase, yeah. not distress purchase. Yeah, precisely. You think about, say, like work, work dues, Christmas parties or whatever, and you go somewhere perhaps you wouldn't normally be somewhere that you choose to go with, like... You, you're you're like your non-work friends, but you know what? If there's that Guinness pump there or cans of Guinness in in the fridge, you know you're gonna be all right, and you, you you're gonna have something you can drink and enjoy, rather than having to write descriptive notes on untaps or whatever. whatever. There, there, there is always that heart sinking moment though when you go into a bar and, and and you see the Guinness, you see the golden harp, and you're like, brilliant, I'm sorted. And then you realise it's the surge of plate, and you're going to have oh, cans. God, yeah. It's that moment of absolute disappointment where you're. That like... is only acceptable <laughs> yeah. at wedding events. That is yes. literally <laughs> only if you're at a wedding or a christening or something. That is the only time it's just like, oh, I'll just put up with this. But if it if it's an actual pub night out with your friends, that is absolutely unacceptable. Yeah, yeah. No, come on, try it. Here's a question for you though, guys. In- if you were to go and buy like Guinness for consuming at home, are you with cans of draft Guinness or cans of Guinness original? Because personally, like 
I'll enjoy a draft Guinness when it's actually draft, whereas cans of draft Guinness, I would rather drink Guinness original. I, I know. I'm, I'm afraid that I'm the opposite, Rob. I know where I am. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a cans of draft Guinness person. Yeah, yeah. And I'm. Yeah. A... I'll drink it, but I do prefer the original in the can. Although I don't, I don't get this surger thing at, at the moment. That's that that they've released. That is, is like the, show. <laughs> the little topper that goes on top of a can, to, so that you can do the two part pour. And and I was quite quite shocked actually because I went in, I went into Tesco and I was going, I was, I was going to get one, and I was like, surely it's just like you buy a four pack and you get this as like a little accessory. Twenty five quid for one uh, of the nah, uh, It's just for show, isn't it? Let, let's be honest. You get a can of Guinness, can of draft Guinness, get your Guinness pint glass, and you literally just tip it vertically upside down. Yeah. And you, get a, you get a perfect pour every time. So exactly. That not, That's all you I, need to I, do. I am not buying into that Guinness. You didn't, you didn't, have, to, five, you didn't have to worry about this with Murphy's Irish Smooth. <laughs> that was a perfect glass of every time. I do like they a didn't Murphy's. Need anything fancy. I do like a Murphy's. I'll tell you what, this small yeah. bit is getting more sour as it goes down. <laughs> I, bet, I bet you just want a nice pint of Guinness right now. Really, don't you, Mark? The more that we talk about rich, chocolatey Guinness, yeah. I'm just thinking how fucking sour that this small Dry, roasty, reliable old friend. Reliable oh, old friend. Exactly love it. Yeah. Um, well, I think, unless with anything else on, on, on that reverberations this month, I think we've all had a good say. On Guinness, yeah. let's say yeah. Drink Guinness if you want to. If you don't want to, then fair enough. Just no need to go on about it. And if others want to drink it, <laughs> let them drink it and let them be happy. Yeah, stop it. Stop yeah. being a mood hoover. Come yeah. on, the world's or a fun dep- sponge, the, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, the world is a grey and bleak place at times. So let's enjoy things. Yeah, yeah, but it didn't Absolutely. taste how it used to. Uh, <laughs> stop it. Stop it. <laughs> I tell you what, uh, I always. There's one taste I enjoy, and that is the taste of nostalgia. You can get far with nostalgia. As always, we would love to hear your thoughts on the subject. Use the hashtag belonging to get involved, and we'll try and find you on the ever more challenging platform that is Twitter. Uh, Or try our SpeakPipe voicemail feature. Please try that, because that way we know people are engaging. So leave us a message and possibly feature in re-reverberations next month. Now, we do have a couple of re-reverberations this month. Firstly, um, an an update on the discussion that we had in the show last month with Emmy about Brave Noise. It was pointed out to me by a listener also ex-co-host of this podcast, that we should have probably mentioned all of the other breweries that had brewed a Brave Noise beer rather than just saying there were 14 or 16 of them or I think there was a number mentioned in the, in the interview. So there's going to be a link in the show notes to all of these, but I'm just going to run down them now just so, so, so people can hear them all. And it's, it's quite the list, actually. So you've got 40 Foot Brewery, Amity, Attic, Balance Brewing and Blending, Bedlam, who sadly have since announced that they've that they've closed, Brew oh. York, Cloudwater, Elusive, Fierce, Lost and Grounded, Merakai, Spookton, Tataris, The Lane, The Park, Track, Unity, who have also sadly closed, uh, Vault City and Wilderness. 
So, so quite the list of, of, of breweries they're getting involved in the Brave Noise movement. And as I say, there'll be a link in the show notes. You can click through to that. The other point this month um, was uh, based on a follow-up from the discussion that we were having last month about social media use. And that was from Simon Clark at Simon Carbon, who said... And it'll be interesting to get your thoughts on this, chaps. Um, Regarding social media, I think we all know why the algorithm has changed. They want us to pay for Twitter. Playing devil's advocate here, but do users of social media have the right to complain about something they're not paying for? I tell you what, social media, for me, I don't feel like I should have to pay to be sociable. I don't want to buy friends. Well, you are doing so. Make make some real world friends, Rob. Fuck's sake! <laughs> oh, I've um, met you in person, <laughs> Mark. I've met you in real life. I, w- I was going to say actually in response to that. Um, do I have to pay for the weather? Because I lo- I love to complain about the weather, Simon, and I don't have to pay for that. Um, I, th- I think something that pro- possibly wasn't hammered at home enough last month actually is that um instagram and facebook have basically already gone through what twitter's going through at the minute Mm. you know facebook years ago became fucking unusable and i'm sure we we, even if any of us go on it now it's like possibly one post from somebody that we're friends with on facebook three adverts two from some groups that we don't remember joining three more adverts and then potentially another post from somebody else. So Facebook was gone a long time ago. Instagram has gone the same way um, w- within the last 12 months. So, unfortunately, but unfortunately for us, of course, Twitter was our favorite. I think every you know mm-hmm. everybody who's involved in this podcast yeah. was our favorite. It was the best, best way for us to share our podcast. It was the best way for me to share my blog. And you got a lot of engagement from it. It's unfortunately going through that change. So to sort of half agree with Simon's point to an extent, unfortunately, Twitter's going through what the other ones, the the other major ones have already gone through. We just don't want it to happen. Because when it was happening to Instagram and Facebook, it was like, yeah, that's a bit shit, but we don't really care because we don't use them. But we love Twitter, and we are kind of relying on it. I really rely on it for people to read my blog. You know, I kind of thought this... We just talked about my post about Guinness this month, and it was another one of those. I was like, but you kind of feel at the end, it's like, what's the point? Because nobody's really reading this. You know, the replies and anybody interacting with it are down i'm just shouting into a void now it's like being back when i was writing blogs when i had 20 followers so it feels it feels a bit empty so to play yeah devil's advocate no we don't have a right to complain about it because it's free because it's happened to the other ones but yes we have a right to complain about it because it's been such a big part of our lives and our journey into these things that we just really bloody enjoy and it's freaking annoying that somebody's tearing it down when it didn't need to happen it, it it's free because the the advertising pays for it 
So so the, the, the adverts that appear on there, the businesses that use it to advertise uh, appear on there. That's what that's what creates the revenue that allows it to be free. Right. Um, the, the, the changes that have been made recently have, have, have changed the algorithm, which means that's had an impact on all of the communities in which all three of us sit in and and people that we engage with and our friends to a certain extent. I mean, the, the three of us have even mentioned outside of this podcast on, on, on the group that we have that it's, we don't always see each other's posts. So and but the algorithm should be saying these people should be seeing each other because they're, they're, they they yep, engage yep, with one yep, another. Yep. And and it's not doing that. The algorithm seems to me seems to be counterintuitive in terms of it's it's trying to push you away from your friendship circles and in into following businesses that you've no interest in following. And I just I just think that it it's it's beginning. Well, I say it's beginning. It's it's losing its heart and its soul. It's it's losing its community. I mean, I I put a post up um, the night before recording as, as we are now, I, I think, and it, it was, it was about these, the, the, these latest changes in terms of, um, for you and people aren't going to be able to participate in polls anymore unless you're verified mm. and, and all those sorts of things. And I, I think what, what I said was, look, I'm, I'm not, I know there, I, I know you've got, um, Mastodon and I know there's Discord. I just can't be bothered. To, to to go on to another platform and no. start again because ultimately at the end of the day my friends are on tri- twitter and and they're the people that i want to engage with and, I, and that's the platform that i want to choose to engage them with yeah put the podcast to one side for a minute because our listeners are always going to get this in it in in their ears because they subscribe to listen to us so this is always going to download yes we're probably not picking up any new followers Oh well, that is what it is. We've we've got a decent number of listeners anyway, and you know, organically, we are picking up new followers because there are two new co-hosts who have got their own audiences that are coming into it. But I, I'm missing the 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 old engagement that we used to get. And if 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 I look back two three years, probably you know, just pre-pandemic, during the pandemic. When, when we were doing opinions, if this had happened then and we weren't able to get the engagement on those polls, that probably would have finished opinions way sooner than, than when we wrapped it up last year because that was what drove it. And it's just such a shame to see. And I don't think there's any need for it. Bloody Elon Musk has turned up and he's just, he's, uh, t- uh, he's just ripping the soul out of it, isn't it? Yeah, for this, I, I think that's the thing. It's ripping the soul out of it. Like you say, that's where our friends are. That's that's where we're gonna stay. I I can't be bothered to try and build anything up on on a different platform. The other thing is that we've always been very casual about it, which is something that I approve of and why I want to do this podcast with people like you guys because some of the people that have talked about moving to other platforms always use the word, and I hate it, content. And it's not about it. I've been a blogger for um, over 10 years now, and I just like writing about beer and pubs. And I just want people, uh, well, I just, I, I like writing about it. So I like people to read it. And I just like hearing nice things about it. And yeah, you know, I'm not blowing my own trumpet, but I've been hearing for, you know, nine of those 10 years that I should be doing more stuff with it because I'm a a good writer or whatever. 
and I've I've not done it because I'm just doing it for fun. So people want me to pursue other things about it. Steve has been doing this for a long time and could easily be doing this professionally, and he's still just doing it for just the larks and the laughs and just the in you know just the the nice engagement with people but not content so when people say well you've just got to get on with it for whatever content you can produce oh no it's not about producing content it's just about doing something that we enjoy and not having fucking billionaires block people from seeing like what what they want to engage with i think you know what most things in life are about engagement it's about experiences and communicating with with other people whether they're like-minded or people with completely different uh, opinions so yeah it, it well, go to go back to simon's question of what was his question? <laughs> should, should we should, do we have a right to moan about social media if we don't pay for it? Yeah, and yeah. You, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to stick with it and say, yeah, we do. I, I don't, I, I don't think it should be um, decided by some big time Tesla man whether I can find it easy to make friends on the internet. Exactly. And I tell yeah. you what, just to, just to make a, a final point on that. If you want to talk about people getting engaged with this, that is one question from Simon that's got us chatting for 15 minutes about this. This is engagement. This is people engaging with our podcast. This is what we want. And there we go. We've just just had... That's why we do it. This is why we're doing it. So That is absolutely why we do it. I mean, Mark, you you mentioned there that obviously I've been doing this for a while and and I don't think I've ever viewed this as being content. For for me, it's just I I do it because I enjoy it because I get to chat to my mates about beer. Yeah, Um, when when you asked me if I wanted to be involved in this, and I'm sure Mark feels the same as well, I, I said, yeah, because I would end up getting to talk to you two guys every month, and it's just fun. It is just fun. Yeah. And we're, we're, so we're going to keep doing this, and hopefully people will keep listening to it, and we'll keep plugging away on Twitter, and we can only hope that it will go back to to, to what it once once was. But, yes, uh, as as Mark said, thank you, Simon, for your comment, because the, uh, the re-reverberations has actually almost ended up being as long as reverberations <laughs> this, this month as, as a result of that. So, so, so thank you for that. And if yeah. you are listening and you've got more comments, carry on using the hashtag belonging, or leave yeah. us that voicemail. Link's in the show notes now if twitter goes down leave us a post-it note (laughs) leave us a post-it note in a pub somewhere in the country and we'll find it one of us will come across it at some point now each episode we feature a guest who's making their own reverberations in the beer world this month we're pleased to be joined by chris norman chris is a musician and writes about beer in this interview, he talks candidly about his mental health and neurodivergency and the challenges he faces when going out. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. It's lovely to have you with us this month. Would you like to start just by telling us just a little bit about yourself and your journey in, in beer today? My name's Chris. I uh, I live just outside Nottingham. I, I started in beer, um, I think... Uh, well, I would have been. I would have been eighteen because I was quite. I was a good boy at that point. I didn't do anything. Uh, I didn't. Start, I didn't start early, but so uh, it would have been. Um, it it would have been 
something generic like a like a bud or a bud light or something um that got me started in just what beer tastes like in general um and then i um i remember i distinctly remember the conversation actually it was a uh, it was a colleague of mine in my first job so one of, one of my first colleagues when i was 18 who said you know all that all that lager stuff's all very well young man but you could you know you'd be doing yourself a favor if you went and sought out some london pride somewhere and i had no idea what he was on about obviously but i followed his advice and i went and got some in morrison's or something and i went okay so that's what real beer is like then is it <laughs> and um, and i kind of and i i wasn't particularly sort of fussed either way about it it was like yeah that's quite nice i, I can i could cope with that um but that cemented in my mind that there's like there's proper beer and and mass-produced nonsense beer, if that you know, sort of fairly early on, yeah. And and that that kind of got me started on on a very simplistic view of what of what beer was like. Um, and I sort of continued on that basis um, probably up until my mid twenties when we. Um, when I moved to where I, you know, near where I am now, near Nottingham, and uh, the job I was, um, the job I was in then, we had like a, we had a little trip to um, a fantastic real ale pub near my house, um, and I got absolutely hooked on um, pretty on fairly traditional cask ale there, and then from that point on, I became. I'm insufferably evangelical about it. You know, for a good while after that, I went as far as starting a blog up many years ago. I think it might have been 2010, 2011. Um, my first blog site where I, yeah, I just spent ages waxing lyrical in a very amateurish way about real ale. Um, and um, what, what was the first blog called? Just in case I came across oh, it. Oh God, what was what was it called? I think that was the one that was called Circle Master, named after the the Witchwood beer that was called used to be called Circle Master. I don't think they okay. make it anymore. Um, but I remember at the time that was like my benchmark. Lactose fantastic. That's my that's my favourite beer, and because I couldn't think of anything better, that's what I ended up calling the blog site. And that was when I look back at it now, I just cringe because it's just you know it's really amateurish, kind of pointless tasting notes and trying to be funny and all this kind of thing. And I've you know, I've run a million miles away from that now. I'm very happy to acknowledge now that I've got no idea what I'm doing when I talk about beer. But um, yeah, that's kind of where I was. Yeah, that's that's that probably takes us up until the big quote-unquote craft beer thing starting to happen in this in this country, and then. <laughs> And then I got into that as well and became evangelical about that as well. In, in, in terms of, I mean, you've changed blogs since then. When when did that happen and why? Why did you change tact, as it were? I got fed up with the name because I, I realised, yeah, for a start, basically it was, um, I realised that I'd just been stealing somebody else's name for a long time. Um, and I, I also realised that I didn't just want to talk about beer and I wanted, and I think I touched on the odd foray into other subjects when I was on the old site, but it was all a bit kind of disjointed. And I wanted to um, 
bring everything under one banner and just talk about the things that interested me. It's like my little corner of the internet where I want to talk about all the things that interests me. So I, I sort of relaunched on the new um, uh, on the new site, which does which I am still updating from time to time. And I called it the Ale Album because my two biggest interests, certainly at that time, were were craft beer and listening to music or write and or performing music. And I I developed this kind of idea of um, you know one of the one of the ways I like to spend my evening is stick an album on and have a beer. If I'm at home, that's typically what I'm going to do um, when I settle down for the evening. That's like you know that's my perfect sort of chill evening and i thought why not stick the two things together and see how that you know just describe it in a kind of a sensory sort of way how they kind of go together for me in 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 terms of just beer and circle master being that sort of traditional thing that and you say quote unquote the the moment you came into craft beer I know hmm. which beer that was for me. What was the? Do you do you remember what beer or what moment was the one where you just went, "Oh, this is this is something more than that. This is something different from them traditional real ales." Um, um, I can remember. I can remember it fairly vividly. The problem is um, describing that experience mean, involves describing the Scottish brewery. Or mentioning the Scottish brewery, I should Unfortunately, say. Unfortunately, it was for me as well. So <laughs> yeah. it was for a lot of us, wasn't it? So. Yeah, and me as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, I mean, I do have to, you know, I won't go into all of the, all of the diabolical business with the the company as a whole, but um, in Nottingham we have one of their bars, and it was absolutely phenomenal in terms of my first few years of like craft beer experiences pretty much as soon as it opened and it was one of the earliest ones to open in the uk i think it was only about like the second or third one to open in the uk and the staff in there are fantastic i still stand by that they are fantastic what i found when i went in there i felt at home with the staff because i could talk shop to them about what they did and they were well up for a proper nerdy discussion about their job and what they do and about the stuff that they're selling to you. Um, but the beer itself as well was streets ahead of anything traditional, quote unquote, that I was having at that time because it was so fresh, so felt so well put together, so accomplished almost. There was it was flawless as far as my palate right, was concerned. And it was at the time as well. Yeah, so. it was. Yeah. I remember having Libertine was the one that really made me sort of oh, stop hitting yes. my tracks and kind of went, <laughs> that, I've never tasted anything like that. That's phenomenal. That's a, that's a 10 out of 10. I can't, I can't fault it. And it was completely unlike anything else I'd ever had. Certainly one of the key reasons why I started following you on Twitter, Chris, is just because of, you were obviously really into beer and really into music the same as me, which gets me thinking about my early experiences in, in, in the Birmingham bar of the Scottish breweries. On a Friday night, they always, the beer was there, obviously, but they would always have a DJ on that was playing just really good records 
fun console and that sort of thing. But it was at, at, always at the sort of level where I could enjoy that, but I could still have a conversation with my friends. So I thought that draw us nicely around, um, just talking to you more about some of your, your experiences of, of drinking out in, in public places and pubs and, and, and bars and just your experiences as um, a neurodivergent person, if, if, if you'd like to talk to us more about that. What you just described is probably the most sort of, that's probably the most burning issue for me. Um, it feels counterintuitive sometimes to sound like I'm complaining about venues putting music on because I'm a musician, you know, <laughs> it feels, it feels, I'm a musician and probably my most sort of acute sensory experiences revolve around, revolve around music. But um, if I'm, particularly if I'm going out with a group of friends for a beer, I want to have a, com I want to be comfortable and have a conversation at a comfortable conversational level. And if I have to start shouting over music, I'm, you know, it just becomes sensory hell for me within seconds. And, you know, I'm, I'm a very sensory driven person, which is why I like to spend an evening at home drinking a craft beer and listening to a, listening to a record, but that's all under my control and I can control, I can control my sensory input really easily with that. Um, as soon as you've got loud conversation, loud music that you have no control over, it just becomes intolerable and and to my mind, pointless as well. I, I will never understand why venues ramp up music in the evening to the extent that people can't talk to each other without shouting. Um, and even if you're shouting, you can't hear each other. I just, you know, I'm, I might be missing something here, but I genuinely do not understand why they do it. <laughs> No, I, I completely um, mm -hmm. empathise with you on that point. And me, like, an issue I have if I do go out somewhere like that and it gets loud is me being taller than average as well. Mm -hmm. I, could, I spend over half the night just bent down trying to hear people or just not able to hear. And it is just, it is very frustrating and, and an uncomfortable feeling where there's so much going on. Well, just to... Um... Reverse back slightly. Don't you know if you if you willing to share with us, Chris? What is it like for a neurodivergent person going into any 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 pub? Cry when you're preparing for a night out. What what's going going through your head if you're going to an unknown venue? There's a couple of things. So one is the kind of sensory input of too much noise, too much almost kind of distraction because I find it. Uh, it's not just music, actually loud conversation going on around me is a big turn off as well. That's something that I struggle with in the office as well. And I have to, um, a recognised kind of adjustment that I have at work is that I have headphones on typically to just tune out everybody else because I can't phase out conversations. Loud conversations, um, I find just, um, it's just sensory overload. And um, I can only take so much of it before I have to go and escape. Sort of related to that, I guess, is um, what I perceive as aggression from other people. Um, and this is something that I can... I don't mean aggression, like, directed towards me or towards the people I'm with or anything, but just what appears to be 
typically masculine, loud behaviour. Um, I'm going to be very stereotypical here, but imagine a, a crowd of football fans in a pub watching, you know, watching a big screen or whatever, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's fine. Um, and um, that, even though it might not even it might not be directed at any of the people that are around me or any of the people in the room, even just the sheer volume and the sort of presence of it makes me really uneasy. Um, it feels like a, a stereotypically sort of alpha male type thing when I see it happening. And I think I am perfectly happy to admit that's very personal. That's quite personal to me. I know that that's quite a widespread kind of behaviour. A lot of it is technically harmless. It's the sort of thing that you'll see everywhere. And do you find yourself in situations where social situations with good friends of yours where you've maybe had to make excuses to leave uh, because of things or you've maybe stayed longer than certainly stayed longer than you would have definitely liked to or you might have very understanding friends you know and you've just excused yourself what what what's it what's it typically like for you my my friends all understand me quite well my, they all know what my kind of they all know what my situation is if you like um i've definitely gone home early as a you know in order to avoid overexposing myself to all this stuff and called it a night long before everybody else also examples of the the other example you mentioned where i've stayed way longer than is good for me absolutely overloaded myself and then you know wound up with a migraine the next day as a result um and that's nothing to do with um alcohol consumption i know i'm i'm very conscious that i have a very low alcohol tolerance you know compared to a lot of people anyway i have a a relatively low threshold um and i cannot stand the sensation when i go over it so i never go over it chris i think that paints quite a, a picture of of yourself and 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 how you approach going out but but just just to rewind a little bit um just mm. just for our listeners really because we've we've used the word neuro, neurodivergent and neurodivergence and and some of our listeners may never have come across that term before mm. so what what is it we're talking about when we're, we're we're using these terms so some people might have um previously heard them described as learning difficulties i suppose at least some of them anyway so i don't want again i don't want to um i don't want to proclaim to be an expert but there's a few examples of what we're talking about so one so i guess the big ones for me are autism, ADHD, uh, dyspraxia, dyslexia, um, dyscalculia, um, and um, conditions that mean that neurodevelopmentally, your brain has not developed in the same way as what we describe as neurotypical people. Um, and as I said, sometimes these are described as specific learning difficulties i think most people know what dyspraxia uh, not dyspraxia dyslexia means so you might see children diagnosed with that school means that they can get extra support um, um with their learning um autism presents very dif differently 
yeah, for different people. Like for me, it presents very much in terms of my ability to process sensory information and other information. I think I'm quite a lot slower than neurotypical people um, in processing information or certain information anyway. So I find I can find conversations very difficult to follow. I can I struggle I, I struggle to process too much information all at once so something um something like driving is incredibly difficult for me because you have to absorb and react to a phenomenal amount of information all at once know what to do with your motor functions in order to respond to it um and all with the pressure of doing that safely with the you know the environment that's around you so that's something that i've always struggled with Dyspraxia is another one that, um, that again, I don't have formally diagnosed, but um, having read up about it, I suspect I've already, I've, I've always suffered from. So that's to do with your motor functions and your body's ability to make your motor functions respond the way that your brain's expecting it to. So it affects things like balance and coordination and... I think the term's proprioception, like knowing where your limbs are at any one point. So people people like me will struggle to walk across a room without tripping over something. Um, I, I was never able to learn to ride a bike, never able to learn to swim because your brain sends instructions and your body doesn't follow them effectively um, or respond in the way that you might expect. Um, funnily enough, dyspraxia also affects... Um, what's called working memory. Um, so basically remembering to do things. Um, so I have virtually no working memory. My uh, ability to remember to do anything is driven entirely by setting reminders on my phone. It's an incredibly broad subject and I've just made a complete mess of describing it. But it's, you know, I, what I'm trying to get across is that it's a colossally wide spectrum of things that can affect it can affect your life in a quite a profound way and you need lots of support with it i think it's an incredibly difficult thing to describe and you've done a brilliant job of it to be honest <laughs> absolutely I, yeah. I, I certainly understand better than i ever did before so it's uh, it's quite easy to fall into stereotypes with it so people if if you say you've got dyspraxia and people know what the word means it they they distill it into saying that you're clumsy effectively you you said at the end it it you probably made a mess of describing that but I, I think what it does is it demonstrates that there's so much to it that there's no easy explanation yeah and, and that you have to take all these things into consideration so yeah. th thank you for that i guess neurodiversion it's like, almost like a, a blanket term isn't it so it sounds like one thing but it really is just so many different things and I suppose what differentiates it is that it is neurodivergent rather than what we call neurotypical the the norm yeah yeah and you can have any one of those things the examples that I that I gave and there's more as well or you can have an intersection of them on our last podcast Chris we were talking about the impact of social media on our lives and the friendships that we've made through it um i know that i've, I've read i've read your posts I, th I think we're on 
number seven about mental health and I've, re- I've read them yeah. all and um, they're all absolutely brilliant. I urge anybody to uh, read them. So is it easier sometimes to engage with people online uh, than it is in, in pubs and bars and places? Um, it can, it can be. Um, I mean, I do feel, I do feel very fond of my connection with like beer Twitter. I mean, I'm in other kind of Twitter bubbles as well, obviously, but, um, since I've been using Twitter, goodness knows how long that is, that's always been a big focus of it is, is the connections that I've made through um, with the beer industry and be, and people who are adjacent to the beer industry, if you like, um, appreciators of it. Um, but thinking about connections made in person as well, and I think this partly links into what we were talking about with the Scottish brewery, is... My connections, typically, not in, you know, not universally, but you know, most often, are based around my interests. So I find it incredibly easy to talk shop with people who have common interests with me, and phenomenally difficult if that's not there. Um, I mean, um, this is probably something that um, another big defining typical characteristic of autistic people, sometimes ADHD as well, is our ability to hyper-focus on an interest or a group of interests. Sometimes they're very different to each other as well and absolutely obsess over them. And and that's what I do with my interests. And that also means that I love talking to other people about them if they share those interests. I suppose I also just wanted to ask about how... It's a loaded question in a lot of ways because I think the answer the answer's already there, but how helpful you found writing those posts um, in terms of being able to put things into words. I didn't find them difficult to write. I found, you know, I found it quite natural. I don't find it unnatural to open up and talk about my mental health in general. And I don't find it unnatural when other people share it either. Um, um, I guess the problem is that, yeah, I suppose it, in a sense they do help. It helps to not have it all internalised and kept to yourself. But the problem is the sensations don't go anywhere, as I'm sure you're, you know, as I'm sure you can relate to, the things that we find difficult are still there. And, you know, the things that I said about, um, you know, feeling like an alien, feeling like a complete outsider, like I'm not suited to um, um, the kind of everyday situations that I find myself in. You know, I find I find most things difficult. Um, that's not going anywhere. I don't think it ever will go anywhere. Um so yes it does help and i think it's important to share i think it's important to generate conversations from sharing but at the moment my focus i guess is to try and find ways to navigate through it accepting that it's always going to be there it's always going to be like that um rather than try you know rather than lamenting the fact that i can't i can't change it i can't do anything about it 
um, because I do have to accept that is who I am. That's what I have to contend with. Um, and in some respects, I have to consider that I'm incredibly fortunate. I, I'm, I have supportive people around me. I have a really, you know, a really good series of connections. I'm looked after at work. Um, I'm, you know, I'm supported at work sufficiently that I'm able to do a good job because of the people around me that support me. So I'm doing a hell of a lot better than a lot of people out there. And that was one of the last big things about um, social media and you, Chris, is because you inspire me because you're actually an incredibly positive person on um, social media. And, you, you you know, you put some tweets up today about how um, f focusing on the positives and why the discrimination of so many people um, in minority position, uh, positions, whether it's um, sexuality, whether it's ethnicity, whatever, it's um, you, you, you try to focus on just positive energy all the time because your me me mental health problems make you um, sound negative all the time. And I completely relate to that all the time because everybody in my life thinks that I'm quite a negative person just <laughs> because you live in a negative bu bu bubble all your life and it's hard to project that positivity, positivity all the time. So um, existing in a social media space where so many things are negative, for you to project that positivity is incredibly important. I don't think there's a question at the end of this. It's almost just me commending you for it because I know that I've, I, struggle, I struggle with those same things. Um, but if you want to say a little bit about that, because I think it's fantastic. Oh, that's, that's awfully kind of you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, as I said in the in the post earlier, um, I genuinely don't get why people um, throw out abuse, prejudice, um, choose to, you know, choose to persecute and hate other people because of their characteristics. I don't understand it. I have, I cannot empathize in the slightest with that motivation. I don't know where it comes from. So Chris, in terms of what we can potentially do in bar rooms, pubs and things, what, what is, is there just changes that people can make small changes that people don't think about even the, the smallest things. If you're a, taproom owner listening to this that we could make it just more inclusive to a wider spectrum of people you know we, we've learned that neurodivergency is just a huge huge area but just little things that maybe people aren't thinking about at the moment it's a it's a big question it's a really good question um obviously with the disclaimer that this is purely based on my own experience and my own experience is mostly to do with sensory input. So whatever you can do to limit noise levels. So having an upper threshold of how loud you're going to turn the music up, as we said, that's a, you know, that's an instant win. Seating that's comfortable and accessible to people who may be disabled or, you know, have it, have individual requirements, that kind of thing, make the environment comfortable and, and calming. I mean, I I do sometimes worry that my ideal venue is more like 
a speciality coffee shop than a beer venue. Relatively, you know, relatively calm, cosy kind of thing. Traditional pubs can do that, obviously. But, you know, a calm environment, not a, you know, not something that's threatening or overwhelming. Chris, it's it's been a real pleasure just just chatting to you and and understanding what it's like for you. Um, and and I think for, for for so many of us, it's it's probably um, it's probably the first time we've come across anything like this. Because I think I think for most of us, if if we're going out for a drink, we'll just we'll we'll, we'll put our shoes on, we'll put our coat on, and we'll we'll go down the pub and we'll have a few pints. And I I think I think what what I've kind of got from you is it's it's maybe not quite that easy for everyone. And, and and that there are some barriers in the way. So thank you so much for sharing your your, your stories with us. And uh, I hope what 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 you have shared with us will will resonate with a lot of our listeners as as well, and 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 help certainly our listeners to be a little bit more understanding of others. So thank you so much for that, Chris. What we'll do is we'll put some we'll put some um, links in the show notes to where people can read your work as well if they've not come across it. So um, hopefully people can get a greater understanding of, of of you and the sorts of things that you're into as well. Um, but yeah, I just I suppose really I just just want to say thank you for your time. It's been it's been a real pleasure. It's been a pleasure for me as well. Thank you. Yeah, I was I was ever so nervous as you could probably tell at times, but thanks to everybody for making me feel so. Um welcome and understood great to have chris join us there this month we really enjoyed chatting to him any thoughts on the interview guys oh yeah well first of all i will just second that i just really enjoyed talking to chris he's a guy that i've um, engaged with on, on twitter for a few years now so it's good to just actually just sit down and have a proper chat with him but um yeah i think it's really valuable talking to Chris. There was certain hearing about his experiences, it, it certain experiences, it was good to, to empathize with to an extent and try and understand his experience. But then it is also um, really good to just touch on some of the discussion points about how hospitality places can just think a little more about, be more hospitable to to everyone yeah i agree with what you're saying rob and 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 i think as i I said i think there's a lot of food for for thought in that discussion that we had with chris mark anything to add uh absolutely i think it's a a topic since i joined this podcast that i really wanted to discuss and i'm so glad that we got a chance to discuss it especially with someone like chris who was um just a really lovely person to talk to. Yeah, it's uh, a topic I've wanted to cover since we, um, I, jo- I joined the podcast because I think it's something that's not talked about enough, like a lot of topics, and it's good to see it being brought up um, more and more. And Chris was such a great guest to talk to. Um, and it's good to see that it's also been discussed in the Hot Forward podcast this month, which is just one of those strange coincidences, but uh, you know, not something that we're we're against at all. Good to see this topic being covered, and also Emmy, our guest from uh, last month, did a wonderful article in Pellicle about um, hearing difficulties in, uh, in in tap rooms and stuff, which I've, I think I think is sort of related as well to some of some of the stuff that was talked about as well so that's well worth seeking out and 
uh, reading as well. So I just wanted to bring that up. As always, the full-length version of that interview, including a great chat about the beer scene in Nottingham, will be available for our Patreon supporters. We're also planning some exclusive content for Patreon, which you won't want to miss. And believe us, you really don't want to miss what's coming on Patreon in this next month. So you can sign up for just £1 on the link in the show notes. It's time to get into our last beer of the month. And this is the one that we dig in the back of the cupboard to see what we can find. Mark, what have you got for your back of the cupboard beer this month? Oh, I've gone to the back back of the cupboard this month. One one of the oldest ones in my cupboard. One of those ones where you think, when am I ever going to open this? But I I might as well do it now. And I've gone for a Buxton Tsar, as in T-S-A-R. And it is covered in cobwebs. Part of the label is moulded away. So it's a, a proper, proper back of the cupboard beer. The price label on it tells me that it was £3.19 a bottle. No Which way. I can tell you, at the time, anything over £3 was absolutely an extreme price. The best before is March 2014. So I'm guessing, I think they only put about two years on a 9.5% Imperial Stout back then. So I'm guessing it was March 2012, just based on that. Whereas nowadays they can put any date on it. So we've got a 11-year-old beer tonight. And I've not smelled it or tasted it yet. So here we go. Away you go. It smells exactly like it smelled 11 years ago. Oh, oh, oh! I mean, it's oily. It's rich. It's but it's oh, but do you know what? It tastes exactly like started eleven years ago. It's it's just thick and dark, and it's it's got it's, it's something very British to it, which it probably did at the time. You know, there's something quite. Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I can't remember. But it's, I mean, it's absolutely holding up so brilliantly. Um, mm, you have to come back to me on that because there's a specific word I'm looking for. Tell you what, though, eleven years holding up well. Rob, what have you got? I have got a can of Vocation Special Edition Honeycomb Chocolate Stout. So. This is nowhere near as old as that. In fact, I'm pretty sure, yeah, it's in date. It's in date until the end of this year. But uh, you think honeycomb chocolate stout, I cracked it open. It smelled like a crunchy. I've tasted it, and it tastes like a crunchy. I've turned the cam round, and it says, like your favourite chocolate bar with a boozy twist. And that's what it is. But um, sorry, it's, it's, it's nice enough. I like a crunchy. But um, it's just really thin. I noticed when I was pouring it that there was a head, and then it just literally just disappeared immediately. And I don't know. It I looks th- very thin, by the it, way. Yeah. I mean, we should say we can see it because we're seeing Robin HD tonight. And um, <laughs> it's uh, that's a very thin look. I mean, it reminds me of actually of that smoked beer I had earlier on, just flat. It's it, it tastes nice, but I just want a bit more body to it. Like 
there's more head on my 11 percent yeah if this had a bit of a, a syrupy texture to it i'd I just feel like i'd enjoy it just that bit more but it's 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 pleasant enough but i think it's kind of it's lived up to my expectations in the fact that it has been just sitting in in the fridge for a few months that's like vocation to make decent decent beers but like I don't know, I kind of I'm mainly stocking my fridge with things that I'm really excited about. So that's kind of just been left there in, until now. So it's it's nice enough, but there's a reason why it's just been sat in the fridge since Christmas. Yeah. I, I do find that sometimes because because I'm assuming there's some adjuncts in 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 that to give it its its flavor. But that sometimes with the additions of of some adjuncts that that can kill life in a beer the, the the longer you hang on to it like you said mark that yours has, has, has got and, and i can see from sitting here on the screen opposite you have time to keep your glass up you've got this lovely yeah. white white frothy head at the top of yours yeah. where where rob li- literally looks like he's drinking uh a, a glass of black coffee it's like it look, yeah. It, yeah it looks like flat coke doesn't it yeah yeah so steve um what have you ferreted out of the back of your cupboard well this this is uh a beer that i promised to do two months ago to to, to follow up on the beer that i did on, on on that show but we then we did the kind of special themed beers last month so this is from thirst class owl this is the barley wine 2020 but it's the barrel aged edition of the the, the the barley wine so it's coming in at 10 percent. doesn't it says it's been aged the portion of it was aged in whiskey barrels um doesn't interestingly doesn't have a best before date anywhere on this can i've, I've been looking and, and i can't find it but it's it, it's absolutely delicious um two months between beers is a long time to try and recollect any flavor notes from the, the the normal version of this but it's it's very very barley wineish it's got um a lovely warming boozy finish to it and there's still quite a bit of bitterness on on it as well it's almost like it's got that bitterness you get from an american barley wine so mm-hmm. it's it, it's quite it's quite a powerful beer and i'm i'm actually really enjoying it while we drink these final beers then let's get into any other business it's the end of this belonging show. Um, so I came across um, an article by Jessica Mason about the, the future of Trappist beers in that there is a genuine worry that they may start to disappear because less people in Belgium are being drawn to life as a monk, which um, I suppose some of these breweries might then go from being Trappist Trappist breweries, which there's very specific rules that they have to pass in terms of like all all the profits for their beer goes towards um, charities or the running of the monastery. But there's an interesting quote about Trappist monks and Trappist breweries in terms of um, the Belgian beer expert Sophie Van Raffelgem that's a terrible pronunciation. Sorry, Sophie. She said, I think the Trappist monk communities, by being more multicultural and more diverse, and observed how the most special part is that it's not brewed for profit, 
and hinted that people should remember that the quality is really high and if they, the brewery staff, take extra time to make a perfect beer, who cares? They're not there to make profit. They want to make a true and pure beer. And I'll tell you what, you go to any bar in Belgium, you don't really need a menu if you know there are Trappist beers because they are always going to be that high level of quality. So there's, there's good Abbey beers. I mean, I'll never turn down a left blonde or brune, but then when there's Westmall or West Valletta and or Chimay, these are beers that are made with love because they're not made for profit. That There's some real care in there just to make a pure beer. And, uh, yeah, let's not lose that. But, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one, that really. We're going into theology almost. <laughs> I think it's interesting because there was a there was a documentary on the BBC about a year ago, was it maybe eighteen months that was that was filmed at Mount St Bernard in in, in Leicestershire that where they produced Tim Meadow, and it, it wasn't specifically about the the beer. It was about the monastery and the, the life of becoming a monk, and and they were even saying then that that they're seeing less people coming into a life of faith basically where they, they they give up everything just just for what they believe in and it, it's I, I suppose from that that point from a cultural point of view that, that there are, if there are less people that are l- looking to devote themselves to religion then in in, in time are we going to see fewer and fewer monasteries and I mean, this is this is going off on a tangent that I yeah. I, I didn't think we'd ever it's... go off on a on a beer podcast. Yeah, nor did I. <laughs> but but yeah, it's 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 interesting. Another point that was made in the article is about the the monasteries that tend to be thriving are those that are really strict, whereas the Trappist monasteries are perhaps I don't know a bit more open to the personalities of individuals that then then some of the really strict monasteries but it's who 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 yeah who who would have thought that we'd all of a sudden be discussing about whether we're going to get the beer we like because people are feeling that strongly about religion yeah in belgium and but but that's what it's always relied on unfortunately mm-hmm. i think this is going to go down the conversation of what i was going to bring up when I drank Sadie Vicante a couple of episodes ago as to people's responses to Christian religion in this country and currently across Europe. So it's definitely a bigger topic, which potentially we should talk about. I'm not sure, but yeah, we... (laughs) At the, at the end of the day, the what what can we do about the Trappist name? The Trappist name it belongs to as long as people are entering into a Christian faith and it doesn't belong to beer geeks, it belongs to yep. people of the Christian faith and there is no right for beer geeks to say, but we want beer to be continued being made if people... So it's it's a it's a big topic that... I don't think we were quite prepared for today. <laughs> Maybe it's one that, as you say, Mark, we'll we'll, we'll revisit that because, yeah, it's um, what is it they say? Never discuss religion or politics. 
Yes, that went um, much deeper than than, than uh, possibly we expected, but one that we we may very well come back to in the future. Mark, anything from you this month? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to draw back to our conversation um, from the putty episode we did, which I believe was two episodes ago now. Yep. Um, about hype beers and whether you know we were discussing whether it's still really a thing. And then I feel like this month, in the lead up to this episode, there has been so many beers. Whether it's just been myself or people within my group, it's all felt like hype beers are a go. Um, there's been Colonel double scans, which I've seen people going absolutely. I disagree that that's in- hype. Yeah. In, well, well, you know, hear me out. You know, okay, go on. So, because because these are things that people are cl- clambering for. So I've, you know, you you tell me, Steve. Did you right now with a yes or no answer? Did you clamber somewhere and go out of your way somewhere just to get some Colonel double scans this month? wasn't massively out of my way, but it wasn't exactly on the way home. Well, I'm just going off how you phrase it on social media. Okay. Um, yes, I went out of my way to get something. Okay. And um, what would you have done if it wasn't? Anyway, uh, no, so I'm trying point, to derail my point, point made. Point made, sir. Carry on. Kennel double scans. Okay. Point number one. I personally felt the same, and I've only just got some, but I felt the same about the idea that there was a collaboration of Babyface Assassin and Oregon Trail. The... I got I got very upset that that was released two weeks before Assassin's the three Oregon Trail, Trail beers I, were released. I, I have mine on the way via my Oregon Trail package, but that is yeah, same how it's doing. There is the double Oregon Trail and the Gold Rush um, thing that's coming out because of that. People may have heard about that by the time the show comes out, but we'll see how it goes. Um, there was certainly a fourth beer I was thinking of that has slipped my mind but uh, you know things that i've seen people clamor for and there was also this collaboration between lost and grounded and burnt mill this <laughs> west coast ipa <laughs> 6.8 that they release every now and then um and that was an absolutely fantastic beer and people were really going for it so i just feel like the you know, hype beers are potentially still a thing, and I think we've seen it a lot in March. So, you, you forgot to mention Chubbles. I'm <laughs> Chubbles. Yes, which, which that's that's the one. But it's, yeah. it's interesting that you describe that big four four as a hype beer because I honestly don't feel like I've heard about that one. You should try it. I'm, I'm gonna have to try and get my hands on some. I really am. It sounds like a great beer. But yeah, troubles. That's uh, that's another. That's the one I was thinking of. You see, so the hype beers are still going. But anyway, yeah, yeah try that uh, big four four. That brings us to the end of this episode. You can follow me on Twitter for what it's worth at Beer O'Clock Show for all the latest updates on the show and what I'm up to. Mark, where can people follow you? They can find me on Twitter at Mark Ang Johnson, but they won't see any of my tweets. But hopefully, they'll read and share my blog at beercomplication.co.uk. Yep, you can find me at Rob underscore Edwards 90 on Twitter, where I mainly just try and get people to watch the TV series Shrinking, and also the same at on Instagram, where I just post pictures of stuff that I'm doing. 
And remember, you can use the hashtag belonging or check the show notes for a link to our SpeakPipe voicemail to get involved in future shows. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Belonging. We hope you've enjoyed the show and we look forward to hearing your thoughts on things we've been chatting about. Cheers. Cheers, guys. to kind of brew uh you know a bit of a mashup of the two beers and i'm like oh, well hell yes you know i remember the yeah. those original 750s you might probably remember that were uh, they brewed on absolutely yeah. And, uh, yeah yeah they were really sought after and that was a just a great showcase for citra um so yeah a chance to go up there and brew up to their new site which is beautiful um brew you know mashup of the two recipes was, was really cool and uh, we had a great fun great fun doing that um we're actually if you want a little exclusive um we're this week uh more of that conversation with andy from elusive brewing talking about the oregon trilogy is available now exclusively to our patreon supporters so if you want to hear that whole conversation you can join them now for just one pound a month the link is in the show notes cheers um yeah so yeah so but that, that's one we made we, we so. <laughs> I <laughs> 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 just like <laughs> that one went a bit deeper than I envisioned. <laughs> <laughs>